Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. Coming up on the program today. At the bottom of this hour, it appears that 2022 is going to be the year of the resurgence of faith-based filmmaking. Because while this is becoming maybe the worst blockbuster summer on record in a non-COVID year for mainstream Hollywood, we now have three movies, faith-based movies, of course, yours truly produced one of them, uh, that have either killed it at the box office in the case of Jesus Revolution and now Sound of Freedom, uh, or is currently killing it in streaming, as is the case with Nefarious. Right now we are, I think, number 11 overall of all movies on Apple and uh, iTunes, number six among all movies overall at Amazon right now. Those are two of the biggest websites on the planet, guys. Uh, we're number one in horror and number one in the thriller suspense category on Amazon.com right now with Nefarious. You can purchase Nefarious now, by the way. A lot of you asking me, when is it available for purchase? You can now purchase Nefarious digitally now. You can also wait, or in addition to, which is what I would prefer, uh, in addition to, you can get the DVD. Uh, you can pre-order those on Amazon now. They come out in October. I'm sorry, in August. The DVD for Nefarious comes out in August. So Pop Culture Tuesday... We're going to talk at the bottom of this hour about what is happening uh, with faith-based filmmaking. And in all three cases, they have something in common. All three movies have something in common. And I, even though they're dramatically different themes, I want to discuss that because I think there's a lesson for those of us that uh, want to get into the storytelling business or are already in it moving forward, what works and what does not. And we'll talk about that. We'll have a guest for that conversation coming up at the bottom of the hour as well. Next hour, we will play Fake News or Not. And we're going we're gonna to put me on the chopping block. I have took, uh, I've taken a handful of my own 2024 Republican primary um, tropes, and I offer them up to Todd and Aaron to decide if, I, if my take is fake news or not. Uh, we will discuss that uh, coming up as well. And then we will, um, I've got something I want to lay out that I was talking about earlier today on Twitter. We're going to do that towards the end of the show today. Um, Before we get there, though, a couple of things. Number one, make sure, you know, the clock is ticking. It's July 11th now. School will be starting here soon. If you are looking for options right now and you think it's probably too late to get my kid out of being subjected to the government schools, it's not. Check out our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. Uh, They have perfected online learning, offering live, on-demand, real-time classes, K-12, through homeschool, uh, or real-time or on-demand. They do a great job based on Judeo-Christian values, critical thinking, meaning they help your kid learn how to think, not what to think. I know firsthand how good of a job they do. My own son, Noah, went to FPA for two years. Uh, I know Dr. Duke Pesta and the the team that started this academy. We fought against Common Core together back in the day. So you can save 10% on your tuition today uh, if you enroll at Freedom for School com. That's freedom for school, F-O-R, freedomforschool.com. Or if you're like, hey, let me, can I check it out first? You bet. Get a free information packet as well. 
at freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. And then do not forget Friday, a special edition of the Steve Day Show. What would it take for us to preempt the Dace Group, which is our most listened to segment every week? What would it take? Well, we would take the Family Leadership Summit this Friday in downtown Des Moines. Presidential candidates will be there. I'm, I'm sorry. <clears throat> National voices, I believe, is what they are being called. All right. Presidential candidates will be there. Uh, Blaze TV will be there all day long. We will be a part of that coverage as well. Tucker Carlson will be interviewing the candidates. Uh, Gwen Beck's going to join Tucker on stage for an exclusive interview just for Blaze TV subscribers. You don't want to miss it right now. All right. Go to blazemediasummit.com. BlazeMediaSummit.com. You're going to get to watch all the candidates, get to see it all at BlazeMediaSummit.com. Use the code SUMMIT for $30 off your Blaze TV subscription. That's the biggest savings we've offered. $30 off using the code SUMMIT at BlazeMediaSummit.com. If you've never been a Blaze TV subscriber before, or maybe you let it lapse because Let's Go Brandon got a hold of your budget as well, now is the time to come back. BlazeMediaSummit.com. Use the code SUMMIT for $30 off. All right. With that, it is now time to find out what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a banana republic, if you can keep it. The Biden Department of Justice has indicted Gal Luft, the Biden whistleblower, on the family's shady business deals with Chinese companies. He's currently on the lam and not in U.S. custody. He's being charged with acting as an unregistered foreign agent, trafficking in arms, violating U.S. sanctions against Iran, and making false statements to federal agents. Luft had become a key figure in Republican-led corruption investigations into Joe Biden, accusing him, son Hunter Biden, and other family members of having improper financial arrangements with the Chinese-controlled energy company CEFC. According to a scoop at Axios, Joe Biden regularly berates his underlings and his staff avoids meeting with him one-on-one to avoid his ire. The president's admonitions include, quote, God bleep it, how the bleep don't you know this? Don't bleeping bleep bleep me and get the bleep out of here. That's according to current and former Biden aides who have witnessed and been on the receiving end of such outbursts. The New York Times is reporting that lawyers for Ray Epps are indeed planning on filing a lawsuit against Fox News and Tucker Carlson for defamation. Epps says Carlson's reporting about him and his involvement in January 6th is inaccurate and defamatory. Reminder, he's the guy egging the crowd to go into the Capitol the night before and during the demonstration and was never charged with any crime. The system is once more telling you whom they fear the most. Here's MSNBC. I'm going to beat this drum until the cows come home. I still don't want a Ron DeSantis. I'll take a Donald Trump no. over Ron DeSantis any day. A Ron DeSantis is a leaner, meaner Donald Trump, and I will go to the grave on that one. This is a new 60-second ad in Iowa. I'm not really a fan of what's going on right now. I mean, the Democrats are just unbelievable. It's a mess. It's a, it's a hot mess. I love Donald Trump. I love what he did. Once he got in, I thought it was a breath of fresh air. He was attacked in all the time, and it seemed like, you know, it just seemed nonstop. The drama, it affected my family. I mean, you know, with my own sister. I didn't get invited to her Thanksgiving after a while. He's got so many distractions. The constant fighting, something every day. And I'm not sure he can focus on moving the country forward. The election is really important because we're going in the wrong direction. I mean, we definitely need somebody that can freaking win. I think he'd probably lose that bet. 
if you voted for Trump. You want somebody that's smart, who actually knows how to build teams to solve issues, focus on the issues that really need to be fixed. When it backpack is responsible for the content of this ad. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is choosing to attack the very popular governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, saying on Truth Social, quote, I love Iowa, protected and expanded ethanol, got $28 billion from China for our great farmers, ended the estate death tax on farms, made the best trade deals in history, USMCA, China, and many more, introduced the world to our farmers, and kept Iowa's first in the nation status. I opened up the governor position for Kim Reynolds, and when she fell behind, I endorsed her did big rallies, and she won. Now she wants to remain neutral. I don't invite her to do events. Desanctus down 45 points, end quote. And finally, I want to introduce you to somebody named Pete Santilli. He's a podcaster and host on Lindell TV. He recently invited independent journalist Chris Nelson on his show to explain Ron DeSantis' extremely shady past. DeSantis' background is very clear, documented. He shuttled Iraqi antiquities out of Iraq, that was his job, with the Navy SEAL Team 6 members. I have a source that says that they actually went into the tomb of King Gilgamesh, extracted DNA for the purposes of developing a bioweapon with the military. Those antiquities that came out of the Iraqi museums were shuttled across borders to the UK. Ron DeSantis, as an attorney, a junior officer, was in charge of getting those antiquities to the British Museum. They were auctioned off and money laundered. And how did they find out about it? Because a portion of them, go look it up, came back to Hobby Lobby. They discovered that the British Museum and Coots Bank were laundering money and some of those antiquities came back and they found out through Hobby Lobby. Go look it up, it's a DOJ lawsuit. Uh, they tracked this, KPMG, audited these transactions because the Coots Bank, which is the monarchy's bank, was nailed for money laundering. And the person that was in charge of auditing the Coots Bank, <laughs> it's its a conspiracy theory. I don't know why, she, whether or not it's related. Her name was <laughs> Christina DeSantis. She was in charge of auditing that tra those transactions for the Coots Bank. Coots Bank is a private bank of the queen, all right? Christina DeSantis died at 30. And my only question is, why does Ron DeSantis never mention her name? I don't know what the hell you're tell talking Tell me right about. now. Tell me right now. What team are you on? You're a domestic <laughs> enemy. And that's what happened while we were away. Just watching Chris Nelson's face on the right side of the screen. That's real. <laughs> that is real. I, 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 so I've seen, I've seen some of Chris Nelson's stuff on Twitter. I don't know, I don't know what he looks like. So I saw this yesterday. I thought it was, and I thought, no, I'm not falling for this. It's not real. I've never heard this Santelli guy's name in my life. It's not real. And I don't believe Mike Lindell would put up a platform where people are dropping F-bombs. All right, so I didn't believe it was real. I'm like, I don't know who did this, but the Babylon Bee has either gotten a lot better or has a run for their yeah, money. Yeah. You're telling me this is real. That's a Dr. Strange joint. Show me everything. Unbelievable, but totally believable.
we're in trouble. Yeah. We're in we're in real <laughs> trouble. <laughs> that guy the reporter on the right, I forget, I'm familiar with him, but man, his face had so many different <laughs> memes in it. Just phenomenal. Tremendous. You know what? This seems like a perfect time to talk about our friends at Relief Factor. All of us, particularly after seeing videos like that, Hit me. struggle with chronic pain <laughs> some days. <laughs> And I, I don't know if Relief Factor can fix you after what you just were subjected to, but by golly, let's put them to the test, all right? It's the all-natural uh, anti-inflammatory that uh, you utilize uh, to help push back against the inflammation that is the cause of your chronic pain. They're so confident in it that they offer it for just 20 bucks for the first three weeks to see if you don't see a difference in your chronic pain in three weeks or less. Why do they offer it like that? Because about 70% of the time, the results are so good, people stick around and end up seeing it and end up paying full price for it. So call their bluff. It's just 20 bucks. Why not see if you don't see a difference in your pain in three weeks or less at relieffactor.com. Again, go to relieffactor.com, relief factor.com or call 800 for relief uh let's go elsewhere into aaron's montage um we suspected when we saw the president's uh truth yesterday about not about kim reynolds in iowa that that was a clear sign he was not coming and last night bob vanderplatz uh, says this morning he was informed last night that the president will indeed not be coming to the leadership summit um, I, I, you know what? Let me do this. Let me relay to you. Before I came on here today, I got a phone call from our old friends at the American Family Association. When we were on terrestrial radio, they were one of the networks that syndicated our show. Tim Wildman is a good guy. Uh, there aren't a lot of national groups, frankly, that I've, I've, I've encouraged people to donate to and give money to. They're one of the few. You know what? I can tell you on the cruise campaign, there weren't a lot of organizations that I can with with. I can tell you now for sure who can move numbers, who who people really trust and rely on. AFR is one of them. And uh, I was on their show because Tim Wildman called me because he had seen this truth about our governor and he was just over beside himself. He's like, we got we got Trump calling DeSantis a son of a you know what in Nevada from the stage. Now we're going to attack. The, he's like, we got to win. How the hell are we going to bring people together when this is over with all of this collateral damage? And there, there are two ways to win this. If you are Donald Trump. For example, let's let's go. Can you put the truth social back up there for just a second, Aaron? I'm sorry. Can you do that? Can you find that and just put that give, up there give, by itself? Give me a minute here. Okay. There's the way we're currently doing it. Um, uh, Ron DeSantis uh, raided the tomb of Gilgamesh. <laughs> um, he was supportive of Russian collusion, which, of course, means that Donald Trump stupidly endorsed someone for governor that supported the Russian collusion fallacy and raided the tomb of Gilgamesh's D for DNA. All right, that you're saying that Trump, Trump had, I mean, that's who he endorsed for governor, but okay, fine. Um, so and, you're saying there's a chance. And, and that's where you could, I, I, I think, is it possible that Trump could win the primary just going totally scorched earth like this? You bet. Sure. To what end? But to what end? What's life like when the, the day after this primary ends? 
What's it like? Because a guy like Chris Nelson, I, I don't know much about him. My guess is he probably got interested in politics about the time Ron DeSantis took over and just built probably a platform on the basis of watching Ron DeSantis just destroy Democrats, right? You know, and what would be his incentive after this? When you make it this personal, like, let's look at this comment here. Everything Trump says here is accurate at the beginning. It's all true. And this is why, why, by the way, Donald Trump is the first Republican since Reagan to win Iowa in consecutive presidential elections and is very popular here and deserves to be. It's all true. And, and so we, where he says, I kept Iowa's first in the nation status. If everything there is said, and then the next sentence is, however, I have a prior commitment to attend Turning Point USA's event. And frankly, that organization has been more loyal to me than Bob Vanderplatz and the family leader have been. And I don't need to, I'm going to go where people are loyal to me. That's it. That's it. Is, is that a story at all? Is that statement a story at all? Everything is still true. It's not a story at all. No collateral damage, no blowback, nothing, right? What's the story? Notice, notice no one in the media, right or left, is talking about the first five sentences of this truth social. Have you noticed that? None of, none of the record, none of the accomplishments are being discussed. Only the last three where he goes after the governor of Iowa. You're just feeding the narrative of our enemies. We can't do this. And that's what that ad campaign that you just saw from Aaron. That's what that ad campaign they launched that someone launched in Iowa. I don't know who. Someone launched in Iowa last week. What's it called? Win back super PAC? Uh, yeah. I mean, if I had to guess, it's probably some, you know, DeSantis super PAC would be my guess. But win back, I think, or win it back is what it's called. That's what that guy is saying. You know what that, that ad reminded me? Was it Harry and Alice? Who, were the, who was the married couple? Aaron wasn't even was like a baby. The first Hillary care fight under, in the Clinton years. And do you remember those ads, Todd, where the couple would get up in the morning and read the newspaper talking about Hillary care? And they're like, hey, did you know that this was going to do that? You remember those I ads? I remember ads like that. Yeah, yeah and, and they just, it destroyed the narrative of Hillary care. But it did it in a, in a very subtle way. It didn't go right at it because if you went right at it, well, you don't care about pe- you don't care about single moms who can't afford health insurance. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you can't you, you hate old people and grandma. And so it, it did an end run around all of that. And it, and it went in through the back door and, and said, huh? Yeah. Did you know that that, that caring for grandma was going to mean blank? Did you know helping single moms is going to mean blank, 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 blank? See what I'm saying? Yes. And sooner or later, you were forced to confront, hey, I would like to help these people, but I can't do this at the expense of my own people, my own family, and my own well-being. There's got to be a way to do this that doesn't destroy my own well-being, right? Mm-hmm. And Hillary Care was, it just de- deconstructed and decimated it. When I saw this ad yesterday, it reminded me of that. I mean, the guy says in the ad, I love Trump. I love what he did, but we got to win. It's not fair what's happening to him, but we have to win. You know, I mean, doesn't drop my line, which is, hey, after Trump loses, he'll be, you know, wearing an ankle bracelet playing golf at Mar-a-Lago, which is what he was doing after he lost the last time. Just sans ankle bracelet. You and I will be left with the collateral damage and we don't have the wealth to insulate ourselves from it that he does. Doesn't quite go that far. Probably smart not to. But it, it, it's everything else pointing out this doesn't win. And, and these, whoever launched this had no idea that they were going to launch this ad on the very day that Trump went after our very popular Republican governor. Not just any Republican governor, by the way. The Republican governor who was given the honor of doing the State of the Union response to Joe Biden after the last election.
pretty prime spot of real estate. Maybe, maybe it is impossible to defeat him in this primary. It is not easy, and I'll get into that's one of that's what we're going to talk about it toward the in the final segment of the show. The needle you have to thread to defeat him in a primary. Nevertheless, though, I want to make sure I'm very plain on this. I don't care if Donald Trump beats Ron DeSantis by 100 points, provided he has shown he is clearly the superior candidate. That's all I want to know. I just want to know, I just want to know if a guy who did generational change in Florida is up to the task of doing it on a national stage. Have I not said this from the very beginning? Yes. Have I said the same thing to you privately that I'm saying publicly right now? Absolutely. And if they get out there together, man, and Donald Trump just says, eh, you ain't ready yet, son. Cool. All right, then. Let's roll, because we got to win next November. I'm not saying anything different to you than what I am saying privately to my own team. But we're not creating that environment, and that was my concern on yesterday's show. We are creating an environment where it is going to be very difficult to get people who should vote for us to turn around and do so after this is over. Or, you're, or maybe you eventually do, like by the time November rolls around and they've had enough fill of the Democrats, like, okay, I'm in. But then you wasted months trying to get people who should be voting for you to vote for you instead of trying to grow your base. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you're doing rear guard action when you should be on the offensive. We can't, this won't work. We've had four straight elections where 48% of the American people said, minimum, we will not support you as long as Trump is your standard bearer or that is your branding. I don't like it. It's not fair. There's a lot of things I don't like. I don't like that I'm at my max bench press and I still can't lose the spare tire belly. There's a lot of things I don't like that I can't, that it is what it is. It is what it is. He is unnecessarily salting the earth. It's not necessary. And we're not talking about the way he did it in 2015 where he was challenging norms on issues. He's salting the earth of people on his own team. There's no point to this. It it, it doesn't have to be done. Who is up by, if you're really up by 40 points, when, when... what do people typically say about the head coach who's up by 40 points and leaves his starters in to keep scoring touchdowns when it's clear the game is over? People like that coach, respect that coach, fosters yeah. animosity typically, doesn't it? Yes. Gets bitter, gets personal. Yeah. See where I'm going with that? Yes. I think that's a good analogy. Yeah. I mean, if you're up by 40 points, then, dude, try acting like it because you're kind of acting like you're not. So either you're not up by 40 points or you just lack this amount of self-control or it's a little bit of both. And frankly, I don't know the man well enough to know which one it is, but it's only it's it's one of the two or a mixture of two. But this is unnecessary. And and this and and the and the and the bombs we're dropping now, we are going to regret them a year from now. I promise you. If we don't change the environment of this of this process. And it's not about the name on the back. I am totally fine going to the mattresses for the guy that overturned Roe versus Wade. You know, I, I got up this morning and I'm like, I can't believe I, I've, I have not really followed the story of this Biden, this Biden grandchild they have disowned. I mean, I'm kind of loosely aware of it, you know, and I was unaware, I, I, but I didn't know the details. I went and looked it up. She's actually like a toddler. Mm-hmm. Did you know this? Yeah. I mean, these people are so pro-abortion, they basically are fine aborting their own offspring years after they're born. And, and now, you know, it starts getting personal for me. Why? Because I was that girl. 
I was that little girl. I was the kid that the family of, of means that was that was known here in Des Moines and the uncles on the city council and the grandfather is a judge and and they have they're they're a team they're a, they're a family of status and my mom was the poor white trash floozy uh, of loose morals who managed to get pregnant who must be disbanded and her kid ignored I was that kid I was that kid and I can testify firsthand what that does how destructive that is to find out you had a family somewhere and they just weren't even interested in you. I remember that. I remember at 16, I took it upon myself to find my biological family and I tracked down my grandfather, the one that paid off my grandmother to make me go away. And he grabbed the phone and he cussed me. Up, up, up. I mean, I was raised by Dave Day, so I thought I'd heard them all. Even I was like, yo, <laughs> all right. I mean, wow. I mean, it was, a sh- it was shameful that I existed, that I would dare bother him with my existence. I was just a kid. Terrible people do things like that. Or very damaged people do things like that. And those are the kinds of people that are sitting in the White House right now. We have to win, folks. I don't know, I don't know what else to tell you. We have to win. We can't afford to be making points. You want to, we have to score points. Score points. There's no one left to just randomly expose things to. There is no critical mass. We have to evict these people. There is no other option. We have to do that. And, and I don't care if the name's Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, IP Freely. Both of these guys have morally earned my vote. But one guy is going out of his way to make it as hard as possible for us to win with him. And it's unnecessary. He can just pull rank on the whole thing anytime he wants. Hey, here's my accomplishments. Thank you. And that ad speaks to what I'm talking about. This won't work. This next election is 483 days away. Ask yourself right now, do you believe the current trajectory and environment we're on is likely to make you happy when you wake up 484 days later, the day after the election, or crushed and disappointed again? Simple question. Simple question. Forget the names. Forget the names. Simple question. Is there is the current environment, the trajectory that we're on, do you think it is likely, it, it is more or less likely for you to wake up 484 days from today, the, the Wednesday after the election. Although maybe we need to make it 494 days because we we'll have 10 days of voting and counting. Okay, fine. 484 days from today, the morning after the election. Are you likely to wake up feeling the way you did after the 2016 election or after the 2020 election, given the way things are currently trending? Todd, I ask you that question, just purely based on the environment and the way people are behaving. It's 2020. I agree. Same question to you, Aaron. What do you think? Same. I, I, I mean, the amount of evil these people have unleashed over the last few years, I cannot even envision what giving them another four years would do. But what if Ron DeSantis is really a druid? Have you thought about that, Steve? It is, enti- it is entirely possible Ron DeSantis is not ready to be president or not a good presidential candidate. Fine. But the president needs to, needs to 
I mean, a little self-control, man. A little bit. A little. Todd, get the gun out. I'm not analyzing any trends. <laughs> I'm not. I'm pleading here. I'm begging. A little bit. The people in the White House... Say what you want. I've got a million issues with Trump's character, but one of the one of the baseline determiners of someone's character is how their own kids feel about him. How their own kids turned out, right? Yeah. His turned out pretty good. Yeah. They adore their dad, right? Yeah. Look at this family. I mean, what you want to talk about anti-woman and and who hates women. This is the oldest trope. This is the oldest misogynistic trope in the in 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 in, in this in our species. Rich kid gets poor girl pregnant, disavows her, and 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 kicks her and her kid born out of wedlock, particularly the daughter, right to the curb and in the dustbin where they belong, and just and, and steps over them on his way on their way to whatever their next current scam or scheme is. That's that is one of the oldest tropes of sinfulness in our entire history, and that is playing out right now. That's the kind of people that are in this White House right now. Making decisions that are impacting all of our lives daily. Do you want these people making these decisions another four years? Neither do I. So we got to do something different than what we're currently at right now. Because what we're doing right now is creating the most self-destructive, corrosive environment possible to make it as hard on ourselves to beat these people as it possibly could be and doesn't have to be one year from today. More than Well, yesterday I shared yet another in a long line of rave reviews for the Eden Pure Thunderstorm air purifier. I didn't, you know, why? It, it, it's not a freshener. It does freshen the air in your home, but it does more than that. It purifies it, all right? Getting rid of the mold, mildew, bacteria, even some viruses that are the reason that your home, uh, the air smells the way it does. Even strong odors from cooking to cigarette smoke, litter boxes, trash cans, uh, and, and even mildew in basements. No match whatsoever for the Eden Pure air purifier right now. Get the three-pack of whole home protection for under $200. Under $200 plus free shipping. You can't beat that price plus free shipping when you go to EdenPureDeals.com slash Steve. That is EdenPureDeals.com slash Steve. Once again, EdenPureDeals.com slash Steve. Well, when we were getting ready to determine a release date for Nefarious earlier this year in theaters, the the theater owners were adamant, you've got to get your movie out before the summer movie season kicks in with Guardians of the Galaxy in May because it's going to be it's going to be Lord of the Flies for screens after that. We're, this is going to be a great summer. They truly believe this. They told us this. They told our, our, our team this, our bookers this. This is going to be a tremendous summer. We've got all these blockbusters, Indiana Jones, The Flash, uh, the, the Hollywood's coming back. Stronger than ever post-COVID this year. So, hey, we're like, hey, we got to get our movie out. I mean, who knows better than the guys who got to book the theaters? No one knows better than they do, the guys that own the theaters, right? Trust the experts, Steve. Yeah, indeed. And so, you know, us and a bunch of other movies all decided we had to get our movie out. And, um, and of course, the competition at the- in theaters was overwhelming at that time. Thankfully, we're doing great in streaming. We'll talk more about that in a moment. 
And then there's this movie that it took five years to get distribution for called Sound of Freedom. That is now absolutely killing it at the very peak of summer movie season. And it's not alone. Uh, Between what Nefarious is doing in streaming, what Sound of Freedom is doing in theaters right now, what Jesus Revolution did in theaters earlier this year, if if this ends up not being the worst year Hollywood's ever had in a a non-COVID year, and it's possible that it could be, if it ends up not being the case, ironically, demonic left-wing Hollywood will have faith-based filmmaking to thank for it. David McPherson is here with us from Movie Night. We'll tell you about their organization while he is here as well. But David, welcome to the show here. Good to have you with us on a Pop Culture Tuesday. How you been? I'm great, my warrior brother. Thank you for having me on. You bet. So let, let's start with what I just kind of laid out. Yeah. That this, is, this has the opportunity to be the worst non-COVID year. When you, when you adjust things for the rate of inflation, obviously movies generate more money now than they did in 1938 when Wizard of Oz came out. But if you adjust yeah. for inflation and then the, and then the cost of, of filmmaking, this has the potential to be the worst non-COVID year Hollywood has ever had. And if that's not the case, you, know, you might have films like Sound of Freedom and Jesus Revolution and what they have done at the box office to thank for it. Isn't that ironic? It is. And if you break down who actually goes to the movies, it's Flyover America. Um, families that are attending movies, they're the uh, blue-collar, God-fearing working class. Those are, the, those are the families that want to go and spend 100 bucks and have some family entertainment. Because ultimately, movies are still uh, the most inter- inexpensive form of entertaining your family that's out there. So. Uh, right now, Flyover America, they are speaking and they're showing Hollywood exactly what they're looking for, which is not really what Hollywood has to offer these days. No. Uh, I, I love the fact that the little indie companies are, are making moves and, and uh, taking ground for sure. That's great. I teased this and uh, before you came on, so now I want to I deliver. I think all three of these films, and I've, I've seen all three. One of them I've seen 26 times. <laughs> but I, I, think, I think these three films have something in common, despite the subject matter difference, despite the, some of the contentual differences of, of all three. Yeah. And to me, I thought the best scene and most important scene in Jesus' Revolution is when the crop duster plane flies over the Timothy Leary Janis Joplin rally and drops LSD from the sky, and you watch Greg Laurie and his future wife drop acid right there on screen. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. later in the movie, when they when they when they ha- when there's a conversion scene, yeah, it means something now. Yeah. Th- yep. th- that this is real now. It's not cheesy. Yep. I, I literally put in my contract, David. No cheesy conversion scenes in Nefarious. That was like one of my contract <laughs> okay. demands. All right, because because that was just ruins how many how many faith based films, right? And and yeah. so, but but the conversion in Jesus Revolution it lands. It, it's powerful yes. because they let you see the devastation and ravages of the sin that they left behind. So so That's even so though cool. there's an inspirational message there, there's a grittiness that undergirds it. And when you look at our movie Nefarious, you look at Sound of Freedom. Those movies, of course, are marinated in grittiness, and it, it yep. does p- appear now that we have given ourselves permission to tell more um, realistic because another word for gritty is just realistic more realistic yep. tales than maybe we thought we could get away with as faith-based filmmakers in the past and I, I think that's an important step into more mainstream and commercial success and why does that matter because that's what leads to more cultural impact as well 
Yeah, um, the body of Christ is tired of being treated like babies by a lot of the the Christ-centered film production houses out there. Um, And I would say we need a lot more slang and dang. And I'll tell you this, as you know, uh, you guys gave us what we what we consider a church edition for Nefarious, which has a few edits on the execution scene at the end. And pastors are saying, we want to see the execution. Like, mm. don't hide anything from us. Give us the regular version. Uh, we don't want to be treated like babies. And I, I, what you just said is very, very true. And I think the... Um, uh, we no longer need to set the atheists up to fail. We no, no longer need to create the us versus them scenarios where the Christian is going to win at the end. Uh, just speak it like it is. And if we do that, the, the body of Christ will respond just like they're responding now. Look at uh, uh, Sound of Freedom and Nefarious. Those were um, movies that show a lot of grit and people are loving it. I do. Let's talk some more about Sound of Freedom. Yeah. And, and its success right now at the box office which yeah. is astounding people, uh, and it's crossed over into the mainstream. I, I think that they, they were able to get and build a certain of critical mass on the right um, yeah. that we, we, could, we didn't quite get in the theatrical phase of Nefarious. We got to that yeah. point in the streaming phase, and that's one of the reasons why it has been so much more successful for us. But they got to that in the theatrical phase. And things, yeah. like, th- things like Jim Caviezel doing Steve Bannon's show, absolutely got the attention of the Washington Post and, and, and that side of the media. Yeah. And, and they almost reflexively, oh, oh, okay, so this is a Trump thing. So they almost reflexively couldn't avoid attacking it, which raised its awareness all the more, yes. which raised its market share all the more. That yeah. may be something to think about moving forward in our genre as well, which is Absolutely. how do we get these people to attack us the way they attack Sound of Freedom? Because that's, again, how we get into more mainstream audiences for more impact, too. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that scene in uh, Sound of Freedom, when you see the children in the, the, the containers, it's the America can, can kind of breathe now saying, OK, what we thought was happening, we actually see it on the big screen being portrayed as really happening. Mm-hmm. So telling those truths of these stories, I think America, um, uh, the, the middle class, we want to see uh, flyover America. We want to see what's actually going on. We want to see it portrayed as it really is. And Sound of Freedom did that. And I think that's why people see that. And they're like, whoa, I got to tell my friends about this thing. One last thing about these three movies. Let, and yep. I think this is important, too, because we've talked a lot about cultural impact and success. They're really good movies, period. Yep. Like, the, like yep. the scene with Caviezel and I forget the other actor's name when they're sitting there in the bar in Mexico talking about how they got into this fight. And, what, what, yep. and then one guy talks about he slept with a prostitute who, thought, who he thought was conv- he was convinced was in her 20s and she was 14 years old and it broke him. OK, yeah, that's that's maybe the best acted scene I have seen in any movie so far this year. Um, and they're, they're really well-made films. And I think that's the thing too. They, no one set out to make a good faith-based movie. They just made good movies. Yep. Yeah. The acting, uh, I I would say, Steve, what you guys did in Nefarious, that's, you can't really beat that. What, uh, what, uh, your main character did, Sean, he, um, he nailed it. Having a dialogue like that in, in a, uh, a common setting the entire time and to pull that together and make it compelling and make you glued to the screen that whole time. That was phenomenal what they did. I'm, I'm very proud of your work on that one. Good job. Uh, I am too, but I think it sounds kind of cheesy to sit here and, you know, uh, pat myself on the back. So, but, but yeah, I, yeah. we appreciate that. And, and I, 
you know, I from the day I saw Sean on on set performing this, and I just was, you know, jaw opened watching him do eight, nine, ten pages of dialogue in a single take, and it was mesmerizing. Um, I mean, I thought, you know, that's Nicholson in The Shining level of stuff yeah. right there. And, Absolutely. And I, I had someone who is a uh, who's retired now, um, just retired, but very prominent in the movie making business. When I screened Nefarious for him at his home uh, last fall, uh, he told me that that was one of the best performances he's ever seen in his career. He, he, yeah. he, he said he thought Anthony Hopkins is the greatest actor he's ever met, ever known. And that was Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter level acting by Sean Patrick Flannery and Nefarious. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. Yeah, there's several more movies, as you know, I'm CEO of Movie Nights. So we're getting a lot of stuff thrown at us. But there's a movie coming out called Sight. Um, I, I think they're going to do a theatrical release this October. I'm not for sure yet, but it's going to be another one. Um, Christian movie shows the grit. Uh, I think respond, the audience is going to respond to it. And I think the momentum that we have now as a, as a body of producers uh, in the media industry, I think um, God is definitely going to use that to compel this thing forward and really um, transfer a lot of wealth in the upcoming years and uh, put a lot of things to shame. Also, there's it's a, it's a good time to be alive in the media business and coming in at this time in my life in the in the business we're seeing it and a part of it's so exciting to watch it happen so tell us about what you guys do at movie night because one of the questions i get a lot from pastors and stuff a lot of pastors and ministry leaders in our audience hey or or churchgoers i want our church to be able to see nefarious and movies like that how do we get access yep. to them how do how, how do you license movies that's what you guys do yeah. tell us about yep. it yeah, so basically with Movie Night Ministries, we um, we set out with the goal of allowing churches to have really good movies to host community events. Um, we offer a service that helps them uh, pack the house and fill the seats with non-believers. And um, I'm, I'm not in the, this world to entertain believers. Um, I'm in this I'm in this business to bring non-believers to churches and uh, demonic possession is something that a lot of people talk about that are not Christians. And it just happens to be one of those movies that's a perfect fit between the church and the local community where they can come together. Um, as far as licensing goes, we license the, the cost of the license is based on the size of your church. Uh, we have a no one gets down. No one gets turned down policy with churches. And we also have um, there's an organization out there called Matthew 10 that rescues <clears throat> Christian families from slavery in mm. the Middle East. Uh, they actually sponsor events for churches that can't afford it. So um, there's really no reason a church can't host an event with us. Uh, we've got uh, about $100 million worth of movies coming out over the next 12 months. And I will say Steve Nefarious is our number one pick right now. Wow. Uh, and if, Yeah, if you go to Movie Night Ministries, you can see uh, movies from Shia LaBeouf, Terrence Howard, Rob Schneider. And um, here it is, Nefarious, which is, I don't know what the budget was on Nefarious. Uh, I never asked We made you guys, it for $3 million. We made it for $3 million bucks. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so then it, it is the lesser budget of our of our lineup right now, and it is the most desired because you guys talk about something that needs to be talked about finally, and the church is responding to it, um, and it gives them an opportunity to talk to their neighbors about what is demon possession, and you know I I dealt with it for 25 years. I dealt with something called nocturnal paralysis, which was demonic, complete and total demonic paralysis two or three nights a week for until I was 29 years old. So, hmm. uh, and Jesus was my way out of that. Um, and Jesus is the only answer. Um, and ultimately that is really why we're doing what we're doing because 
Um, Steve, I was at the White House on January 6th with, around everything that was going on there. I was behind those gates and watching what was happening. And I walked out of there with a, a group of brothers and we thought the only answer to the problems is more Jesus and less man. Amen. So yeah. we're hoping with uh, movie night and partnerships like what we have with you guys, it compels us down the road to bring more Jesus into the community. Uh, we are, we're very well received. Pastors love it when they show up at these events and there's a bunch of strangers that they don't know. Um, so we're, everything's going really well. We've got a new app we're launching here in, over the next month or two. And it's a, it's a new loyalty program that replaces loyalty programs inside merchants. So we're gonna have a whole another uh, whole new layer of revenue for, uh, for movie makers. So uh, as of right now, um, you know, doing what we're doing with Movie Night Ministries, that's one layer. We've got two more layers of monetization. So we could take, you know, m- movies like Nefarious or Daddy Daughter Trip or whatever else we have and, and really give them uh, millions of dollars more in revenue than they would have had, you know, without doing business with us. So my team are we're grateful for the opportunity that we have with you guys the way that you guys stepped up to make something that was pretty risky um i don't even know how you guys were able to raise the money for that movie to uh to sit down with an investor we weren't and say, sure hey, how we were going to, do... to raise the money either so we just paid for it yeah. my company has paid for it itself <laughs> oh really okay sorry to say that's i've raised a lot of money man that'd be a tough one yeah we weren't uh, sure how that was, we weren't sure how many takers in that and unproven uh you know proof of concept was going to be so we just raise the money ourselves so paid it wow. ourselves well, yeah. thank you for ta- thank you for having that faith my brother and that was what we did we need more of you more producers like you making stuff like this because the body is responding communities are responding and hats off to you for taking that risk thank you very much appreciate it man people just need to go to movienight.com is there anything else they need to know when they get there that's it self-explanatory yeah, yeah you go to movie night if you want to license something for your church uh, you can also go to movienightministries.com find us on facebook um, send us a message uh, again if you're a pastor out there if you're part of a church uh, we will not turn you away reach us reach out to us i want i, I want to drive the community to you uh, we're good at that, and uh, we're we're great at outreach. And I want your local body to flourish. And and pa- all you pastors out there, uh, my one of my missions in life is to make you the most influential human being in your in your local community. Hmm. Uh, we need more pastors that are influential. I pray for you guys every day. Movie Night's grateful for every pastor that comes to our website and fills out those forms. We right now, Steve, we're getting a couple hundred a day right now for Nefarious, specifically for Nefarious. Wow. Uh, and and I want to empower every single one of them to be the most the, the mightiest men locally that everybody looks up to and nobody can point the finger at to blame, Amen. you know. Amen. All right, movienight.com. David McPherson, good to meet you, brother. And uh, you and yeah. I have talked over email several times, but good to yeah. have you on the show. And uh, thank you for what you guys do over there. God bless. Take yeah, care. That's my brother. Thank you, team. Thank you. you. Bet. Bye-bye. All right, thoughts? Well, there. this guy does what he does, <clears throat> it seems, and it's clear at the end by connecting this all to pastors. But it's, it's not about just... Uh, promoting an, a new lane for profit. It is a ministry, uh, first and foremost. Uh, and for a ministry to be effective, it has to go beyond good intentions. You have to understand both the science and the art of the craft. And that's what I clear. When he, when he talks about your movie and other movies, it's... It's sober-minded. It's it's adulting and way too much Christian pastoring and entertainment has been the op- opposite. Mm-hmm. 
it, it, we haven't raised our game to the level uh, that the devil is competing at. This guy clearly understands what's necessary. This year we've raised our game. We need to raise it more, but we have raised our game. Hour two is next. Hour two live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, get our Instagram and TikTok. <clears throat> Pardon me. You can also find me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace over there. Thank you to all of you that have left us five-star reviews. If you have yet to do so, please do so on the podcast platform that you prefer. You can also hit subscribe or if it's iTunes, follow. And thank you to all of you that have done those things as well. Thanks to our friends over at Better Spectacles for the glasses I'm wearing today. Uh, These are the 145-year-old now uh, Rodenstock eyewear frames that uh, are the world's gold standard I've been telling you about. If you want to know what those look like. One of them is what I'm wearing here today, courtesy of our friends over at Better Spectacles. If you're unhappy with your current prescription, especially if you have progressive lenses like I do, so you're a little far-sighted, a little near-sighted as we get older, uh, they can do something about that at Better Spectacles without having to stick you with the, the dorky frames. You get the cool stuff that the cool kids get to wear as well. Just schedule a teleoptical appointment. You won't even have to leave your home. Go big with the bio metrical intelligence glasses from better spectacles they're offering 61 percent off their progressive eyewear right now plus free handcrafted rodent stock frames 61 percent off and you get the rodent stock frames for free you cannot beat that when you go to betterspectacles.com slash steve that's betterspectacles.com slash steve let's welcome in my oldest daughter anastasia good to see you sweetie how are you how are you doing, Dad? I am doing okay, I guess. I'm here. It's pretty cool in here, given we don't have, you know, the air conditions broke. I mean, it's a little colder out. It feels a little bit nicer out there with the air conditions working. But. Yeah. Aaron did a fantastic job. The fans are really good, though. Yep, saving our studio. So it could be a lot worse. Could be a lot worse. Be honest. You know how much your old man hates being hot indoors. When you heard that the air condition... I mean, I think you found out about it first, right? Because you got here before Aaron yes. did that first morning. And when you came back here and you're like, your first thought was what? I was, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you remember this, Aaron, but like when he literally, when he walked in, I was like, you need to know it's so hot back there and he's going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, be ready for that today, Aaron. That's what I remember. I said, quote, get ready for that. I think my response was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anna, do you remember back that time, the very first time in your earliest nascent memories when you were probably like a sweet three-year-old apple of a daddy's eye girl but you came up to him and you said inside 
Daddy, I'm cold. And he looked at you and he said, I know, isn't it great? Do you <laughs> He's remember that? He's been saying that my whole life. Yes, yeah. it's great to be cold. <laughs> he really has. Yes. And now, I, and now I feel like I'm sort of coming, becoming the same way sometimes too. Yeah. Like Stephen's like, it's freezing in here. And I'm like, well, it's actually pretty comfortable here. And then I stop and I'm like, it's one of those moments when you're like in your 20s, you're like, I'm literally turning into my parents. Yes. <laughs> you, be thankful your dad is not Glenn Beck. If you think I like it cold, holy cow, man. I go down there into his studio and I'm like, it's freaking cold, guys. That's when you know it's That's really when it's cold. cold. I mean, you walk in and you're like, where are the dead bodies at? <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, how cold he likes to keep it. All right. Let's get to it. What are we doing this week? So when I put up a poll between TikTok Tuesday and Testimony Tuesday, so a lot of people liked the pro-life stories and everything. I think it's nice, and I was talking to a lot of people about it. I think people really enjoy hearing stories of hope, especially where we're at just as today. And everybody knows there's no hope to be found on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. So hope is, TikTok is... <laughs> where hope goes to die basically <laughs> yeah. or on our show in general apparently <laughs> so i actually have two testimonies to read to you today one is a bit shorter and then one is just a little bit longer the shorter one will only take a couple minutes and then the longer one so okay yeah so i'll read this so this is from chelsea she said here's my testimony i met both your parents in boise and got to tell your dad how much a show changed my life i wanted to give a little update after being a lost soul for decades i was baptized last month my children were also baptized my husband and i vowed to teach them about the lord and to raise them to love god as if that's not enough the end of friday's show was the final push i needed to flee my blue state of oregon and move our family to north carolina we will no longer waste our citizenship or subsidize evil. I hope you share this so the guys know they are truly doing the Lord's work. Wow. That's very encouraging. It is. Just be prepared to go to work in North Carolina, yes. too, because yes. it's not Valhalla there. It's no. better, but... No, it's dramatically better. Yes. All right, but it is It is not... A republic, if you can keep yes, it. It's yes, it's always transactional to yes. some degree. It's never inherent. Yes. But uh, you're, let's put it this way. If, if freedom was a point spread, uh, if, there was a, if there was a liberty point spread, uh, in North Carolina, you're probably, or I'm sorry, in Oregon, you're probably about a, a 28 to 30 point underdog. And in North Carolina right now, you're probably a field goal or touchdown favorite. Okay? So... You're, 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 you're the right side's favored to win, but you still got to go play the game. Yeah. yeah. But you should, you, you, you've got to be like, they show videos of like that immigrant who managed to escape North Korea or, or Cuba or something like that and shows up to these meetings every once in a while and like explains to all these ridiculous libs, you know, no, I've, mm-hmm. I was born in the darkness. Yeah. That's where you need to be in North Carolina <laughs> to make sure that they don't slide. It's funny you mentioned that. I'd forgotten about this. When I did an event for a charter school in Toledo, Ohio, earlier this year, uh, an Indian man came up to me and he claimed he was 80, guys. Good looking 80? Yeah. Yeah. All right. If he's 80, <laughs> like I want to know what is, what's his diet. And if it's curry, I'm screwed because I can't tolerate that at all. All right. But he proceeded to tell me that he, that's what he does. He immigrated here from India and he's just like, he's at every school board meeting. He's at every city council meeting. He's like, I'm telling them this is what happened in my own country. I mean, I, I mean, I'm watching you guys do why you're the reason people like you are why I left my own country and came here. And now you're trying to do this to this country and I don't want to let that happen. So that kind of, yeah, that reminded me of that when you uh, mentioned that. Yeah. So this next one's from Jacob. 
He says, I was raised in church and accepted Christ as my savior around the age of five. I went to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. Once in high school, I was at church Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The problem is I didn't see any signs that Christ was changing my life. I didn't see any fruit. I felt I was good at a lot of things and even developed a lot of biblical knowledge. However, I consider this Bible trivia knowledge as I didn't let it change my heart. When I was 17, I started dating someone that I would eventually marry right before my 20th birthday. This was not a great relationship as it was not a foundation of Christ. This relationship caused strife and fights within my family as my parents didn't approve and I was being pulled away from my family. To make matters worse, I even had a former pastor helping cause the divide between my family and I. This started a six-year journey away from the church and solidified a prideful heart as I did not need family or or church to support me. I could do this on my own. Three months into our marriage, my wife was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease lymphoma, a cancer of the lymph nodes. After struggling through a year of chemotherapy, we moved out to Colorado Springs for a fresh new start. While out in Colorado, we were away from family and still not attending church. Without that foundation, our marriage crumbled. She asked me to go home to Florida, and after I returned home, she informed me she had been in a relationship and would be filing for divorce. This shattered my pride and caused a deep fear of rejection inside me. I began thinking, what Christian girl will want a 22-year-old guy that already has a divorce? I reasoned with myself and came to the conclusion I would accept the love of anyone who would give it to me because of the lack of self-worth that I had. I then began a four-year relationship with a girl who was not a Christian. I found out shortly into this relationship that she was addicted to prescription painkillers. I then, due to my low self-esteem, began to enable and go along with buying opioids from drug dealers. Hmm. These were some of the worst days of my life. Hmm. Unfortunately, due to chronic pain and a lack of work, my girlfriend took the rent money to buy more drugs. This caused me to begin stealing from work. On January 28th, 2016, I was arrested for grand theft and scheming to defraud. I was booked into the Alakua Alachua County Jail on $30,000 bail. I spent two months in jail where God tore down my barriers and called me back to him. The first month, I was arguing with my girlfriend and parents just about every day. I was still holding on to my way of life, even though I was staring at the walls of the pit I had dug for myself. After being in jail for a month, I came across the Left Behind series in the library. I'd always wanted to read the series and thought I had the time, so why not? This began a change in my heart as it convicted me to change my ways, as we did not have long on this earth. If I claimed to know and love God, I needed to stop my rebellion, repent, and begin following him with my whole heart. Since being released from jail on March 16th, 2016, God has performed many works in my life that I do not deserve. He provided an address for me to transfer to as my parents' house could not sell for three years. As soon as I had transferred home, the house finally sold. This gave me 30 days to find a place to live. My parents offered for me to move to Pennsylvania with them so they could help me get back on my feet. My probation officer told me I had about a 1% chance of that happening. God provided a way, and I moved to Pennsylvania on May 1st, 2016. The first interaction I had with the church here in Pennsylvania was on the men's retreat for CBC. From that point on, I had developed close relationships with the men here at CBC who looked past my mistakes. I can honestly say I have seen the Lord work in my life through many of the godly men here at CBC. From receiving job opportunities to just being heard and prayed for. God wasn't done with me yet, though. I never thought I would be able to serve the church normally because of my past. Yet God opened doors to serve on the worship team and be a leader in student body with high schoolers. God also provided the one thing I thought I would never have a godly wife, Hmm. one who looked behind my past and looked towards a future of redemption. We now both attend regeneration or regen as we both deal with the pain and trauma of our past and accept the forgiveness and plan God has for our lives. This has led me down a path I thought I would never be on a forgiveness
forgiveness and redemption. God's plan never, God's plan even allowed me to reach forgiveness with my ex-wife. God pulled me from the pit I dug for myself. A realization that I came to in Regen was revisiting my past. I never wanted to go back or dwell on my past. I used to try to live by Philippians 4, 8 and used that to excuse my bearing of my past. Finally, brothers, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I realized that I wouldn't be dwelling on my past by dealing with the pain of my sins. I would be looking at what I had done and seeing the love that Christ had for me. I would see what he died for and what I had been saved from. I continue to look towards Christ, remember my past, and praise him for his saving mercy and grace. To God be all the glory. That was from Jacob George. That is very, very powerful. That's good stuff, man. And that only happens one way. Those kind of stories only happen because of God. They don't happen outside of that. Period. End of sentence. So do you guys like this Testimony Tuesday more than TikTok Tuesday? I, yes. I would like virtually anything more than, more than TikTok Tuesday, actually. Aaron, did you get what I just texted you? Yep. Okay. Give me two more seconds. All right. I want to, can, I, can I share a testimony with you? With yeah. the, with, and with the audience. All right. So our governor's called this special session over the life issue. Yeah. Okay. And um, a small group of pastors went, uh, went down to the Capitol uh, and, and Christians went down to the Capitol to pray in the midst of this special session. And, and one of them just sent me this photo. So... Those are the believers down there huddled together, praying. And they are surrounded by the activists. Yelling at them, screaming at them with those signs. Look at that picture. If you are not watching this on Blaze TV, you are missing out. Just leave that up there, Aaron. Why? I, I share this text that he sent me. Um, true spiritual warfare today at the Capitol. While they prayed, people shouted, F your God, F your prayer. And yet, I mean, look at that right there. Why did we make nefarious? What is nefarious about? What is spiritual warfare? When I say that what's happening in the culture isn't political, it is demonic. That this is not normal political discourse. That this is not normal political debate. This is not normal moral disagreement. This is something far beyond that. And that we are watching spiritual warfare play out in the natural realm in front of our eyes in a way you rarely get to in all of human history at any period of time. And we are seeing it right now. What do I mean by those things? What, what, what best embodies, personifies, quantifies those statements? It is this picture you are looking at right here. They say a picture tells a thousand words this one tells a thousand tales testimonies that those who have eyes to see let them see look at that photo that that is what is happening in our country today that's a testimony for you right there what does courage look like what's bravery look like what does meekness look like power under control what does it look like it looks like what's at the center of that photo right there. It requires a supernatural level of resistance and character and integrity to withstand that, to stand up in the face of that, number one. 
And then to keep your composure at the exact same time, that does not happen on uh, happen naturally, but only supernaturally. Likewise, the chanting, the screaming, the acting out, that doesn't happen naturally either. That happens supernaturally too. We don't behave like this naturally as adults. We don't. We can if there's something, if, we're, if we have a mental health problem. That's a lot of people to simultaneously have a mental health problem when you look at that photo. So, must be something else. And it is. They're led by their Lord too. Any thoughts on that before we say goodbye to Anastasia? I saw a video on Twitter speaking about like kind of what you're talking about that some guy, I mean, these, this pastor and this guy were like face to face shouting at each other and everything. Like the pastor was trying to kind of convince him and kind of speak with him. And it was honestly, it made me a little bit emotional watching it because once this pastor kind of realized like he, like this, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, the screaming. And he just raised his hand and he just started calling out to the Lord. I'm like getting emotional right now. He started calling to the Lord. And started like screaming, praying for these people. Because it was almost like he kind of put his flesh aside mm-hmm. and realized this is a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And he raised his hands and he started, you know, shouting for the Lord there. So I, and I also think that a lot of people don't think that if they show up, they'll make a difference if they're small in number, but you can. And this, this setting is possible because of one woman who none of us saw coming, named Governor Kim Oh, Reynolds. gosh, the most wrong I've been about any politician yes. in my career, and it's not even close. Yeah. She understands, like the people in the middle of that circle, it is not to avoid confrontations like this that we are put on this earth and constantly find excuses. It is to engage them. And we better find that out right quick. She's figured that out, and she's inspiring others. And the only question remaining for you, whether you live in Iowa or any place else as a Christian, what is your excuse? Because that's all it is. It's a damned excuse. I, I texted back my friend who sent me this photo of what they saw at the State House. Here's what I texted back to him. Well done, good and faithful servants, for drawing such ire from the enemy. May your house increase. Yes. That's what I texted back to him. Amen. You are over, over the target. Yes. On so many levels. We're in deep red Iowa. We are deep red now. We're in deep red Iowa. And the minions of our spiritual enemy came up and beclowned themselves in full display of the public. That means you are over the target on so many levels. On this, on this issue of all. The one issue that it should be in everyone's closed hands on life. Well done. Anastasia, thank you, sweetie. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Yep. Appreciate you. See you Friday's Leadership Summit. Yeah, sounds okay. good. All right. All right, before we get to fake news or not, a word from our friends over at Birch Gold. If you are taking a look at what's happening in the country and you're thinking, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> pardon me, we might be in trouble. You're probably correct. All right. Find out. Why wealthy, successful people have been using gold as a hedge against managed decay, government debasement schemes, let's go Brandon, whatever you want to call it, that we're living through right now. Find out now why it's important to want to have a physical asset independent of the U.S. dollar, get a tax-sheltered, get gold in a tax-sheltered retirement account right now just for you when you text Steve to 989-898. 
Get the free info kit on gold right now. 989-898. Text Steve there with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews. Birch Gold has been helping our listeners from the beginning. So text Steve to 989-898. Claim your free info kit on gold. That's text Steve to 989 and 898 because if central bank digital currency becomes a reality, it'll be nice to have some gold to depend on. Text Steve to 989-898. Let's get to fake news or not. Lightning round. And it is not true that I I belabored the conversation with Anastasia so there would be less time to scrutinize me, but I am glad that it worked out that way. No, I, I seriously, I, I got that text from my buddy who was down there and I'm like, this is right in line with what Anna's talking about. Yeah. We need to, we need to yes. see, have our audience see that. All right. So I have prepared seven tropes of mine that I have that are kind of the outline of the rubric of which I am analyzing this primary. We'll call them the Dace campaign tropes. You guys tell me if you think they're fake news or not. Ready? Yes. Number one, primary polling is notoriously inaccurate and unreliable. Not fake news. Agreed. I remember the register has a poll out today. Someone told me, I haven't seen it yet, that, that has Trump up by like 40 points in Iowa. No. The, 48 hours before the 2010 Republican gubernatorial primary, my buddy Bob Vanderplotz trailed by 30 points in the final Des Moines register poll. The Sunday before the primary. 48 hours later, he damn near won the primary. So there's that. I think... Some of the reasons behind this from election to election are constant. Some are changing and fluid, but the analysis remains sound nonetheless. Number two, DeSantis has to win Iowa or at least place a very close second or he's toast. Fake news or not? That is not fake news. Not fake news. Okay. Let me give you another scenario someone gave to me yesterday. Trump wins. DeSantis is second, but like no one else is even close to the two of them. Like, let's say it's like 41 Trump, 30 DeSantis, and no one else is even close. Is he still toast? If, if it's clear he is the last remaining alternative to Trump, is it still close? Or it, is, he, is he still toast? It would take uh, an input of variables that I can't possibly foresee. Yeah, this far out. I, I agree. Yeah. Okay. I think it's, at least we can say right now. Better win Iowa, so we're not even having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Number three. There are no other metrics other than public polling that indicates Trump has a commanding lead in this race. Fake news or not? No, you made that case. That's not fake news. Yeah, not fake news. I'm trying to think, rack my brain about what we would what we would look at, and I think you've already looked at, you know, whether it's Carrie Lake's book or whether it's Google Trends. Or fundraising. Or fundraising. There might be other things. I just don't know yeah, what they would be. I, yeah, I can't think of what they I are. I mean, I even asked someone I worked on the cruise campaign with. I'm like... Hey, before I go out there with this, what else would we be looking at? And they were like, well, we'd be looking at all the same things. I mean, I, there might be other things. I just, I don't know what they are, you know? Number four, Trump will either very likely be, or Trump will very likely be either a convicted felon and or incarcerated to some extent by election day 2024. Fake news or not? Man, I cannot believe we are at the point where I... I'm just going to say fake news. I cannot believe that they are actually doing this, that they are following through, but they are. I know that, but I just don't want it to be true, so I'm answering fake news. Yeah, there is a huge... I think Aaron and I share the same psyche on this. There's a huge part of me that wants to default to fake news, that this is a giant bluff because of how this... um, the, the, The game is... I mean, the game's already changed, but this is an 
This isn't all in. This is a sort of declaration of war that we never come back from. I feel like this the way you felt about the COVID jab, given your background Mm -hmm. as an anti-vaxxer, that you just kind of thought we were underselling this the whole time, that they weren't going to try and, and develop this and impose it. And yeah, and I tried to I tried to analyze it objectively. You were right. OK, everything you feared would happen is exactly what happened because you have been through this battle with that, with these forces before. This right? is a good analogy. And I feel that way about this. I thought there's no way there's no way Robert Mueller's thrown his career away on a canard. He did. Yeah. I thought there's no way Christine Blasey Ford has no evidence at all that she wasn't that, that she couldn't even point. She couldn't even point to evidence right. that she they were even in the same room one time in their lives. Her and Brett Kavanaugh. Right. You know, I mean, I get I, I, and finally, I just had to come to the conclusion. Yeah, that's exactly what they're going to do. Yep. And so that's why I'm making this prediction. They, that, they have shown no analogy. restraint at all in yep. this front. It's true. OK. All of it. Unfortunately, and it's sad. Number five, Khan won't be able to stay away from the Mutara Nebula. This is my Fake reference news. to that Trump couldn't possibly walk away from the debate stage spotlight. Fake news. I don't think he debates. You at know? least not at the first one. Okay. Yeah, sadly, I think that's fake news, and we're seeing a preview of that, with, uh, his refusal of, uh, to come to Iowa. Okay. Number six, the first time Trump and DeSantis do share a debate stage together couldn't end up becoming the most important event in this primary. Not fake news. Yeah, definitely not fake news. Which is might be the only, the he, only important event in the. I, I told a buddy of mine who works for DeSantis, man, if I were you guys, I would be planning on August twenty fourth is the only crack we get at the old man. Because oh, yeah. if, because going back to the previous one, if I was advising Trump, I would tell him, I yes, it w- it might be fun for you not to show up and watch all the other candidates you know gang up on DeSantis, but it's also risky because you're no longer in control of your own fate. If DeSantis, if they do gang up on DeSantis and DeSantis just annihilates them, he he's he dominated, you know, in front of 15 million people. On the other hand, if you show up, 30 million people watch. And if you throat punch him, then we don't I would tell him, go in there, throat punch him. And we're not doing any more of those because we made our point. I, that's how I would that would be the analysis I would give that it would be risky to allow Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy to essentially you know, do your work against Ron DeSantis yourself. When on the other hand, if he outshines them, then you gave Ron DeSantis a free infomercial. But I hear you. A lot of people agree with you guys, by the way, and think he won't do any. So number seven, as long as Trump is perceived as the most right, see that as based candidate, he cannot lose, nor should he. Not fake news. Although that's fake news because of the last part, nor, nor should he. I mean, but perception isn't reality. I mean, I, would, I thought we were talking about adulting here, so no, if it needs to be... It, there needs to be way more proof of concept. Again, we, I love the thing that Steve kind of tries to bring people back. He was actually president before, you know? He did things. He has things to answer for. So it's, this is beyond perception. I mean, if he wasn't president before, there'd be no case to vote Trump over DeSantis because DeSantis would have a record that's really good, and Trump would have no record. The best argument for Trump is that he was president before and had a pretty good record prior to March 16, 2020, and yet much of his campaign is structured around the idea that he didn't run before. He's out there promising to do things. Well, if elected president, like, you know, I'm going to release the Kennedy assassination files. But we, we Could have done that any day for four yeah. years. If he's perceived to be the most based 
and he isn't, that, I mean, that's a problem. But if you're, and this is now where my life experience comes into play. It is a problem, but most of that problem is actually the fault of the rival campaigns. That is the big, there are things, we, mistakes, and we'll get into this more next segment. There, are mis, there were things that happened to us on the Cruz campaign we could not control. We could not control Roger Ailes saying anybody but Ted Cruz and turning Fox no. News into a Rubio super PAC the morning after the caucuses. We could not control that. But, but there were mistakes we made that we could control that were ultimately more of our undoing than what Roger but, Ailes plotted. Well, here's where your previous analysis applies. Ted Cruz also was uh, uh, theoretical true Ron DeSantis also has a proof of concept mm -hmm. he was governor he mm -hmm. is governor he did it under the intense circumstances that quite frankly crushed Donald Trump so that's why there's no it, perception is kind of nonsensical I mean, I mean we're not talking foreign policy okay but domestically no alright we've got about two minutes here is there a trope you've heard me utilize or mention that I didn't put on the list that you guys want to call fake news on? Hmm. Well, there has to be. Um, under the gun. I should have warned you ahead of time, but I didn't know ahead of time no, we were going to no, have no. two minutes left, so. I just checked the forecast. Next Thursday is supposed to be 107 degrees. Here in Iowa? I think it's a mistake. When did you say that AC unit was coming in? <laughs> Not then. <laughs> it's actually, what, what you bought and what you have set up here is actually doing a pretty good job. Yeah. And it's into the 90s here today. It's taking the edge off. Yeah. It's, it's doing a good job. Is this pivot because you guys couldn't think of anything else? Yep. Yeah. This is what we do in Iowa. It's kind of a Midwestern yep. thing in general. Talk about when the weather. When you're out of things to talk about, you pivot to the weather. That, that, that is a, that's a, you want to talk about tropes. That is a Midwestern trope right there, to pivot to the weather when all else fails. <laughs> right? That's Iowa nice, Minnesota nice. Especially like, I don't really want to say something mean to this person, or I've said enough mean things already. Right? Minnesota nice, Iowa nice. Okay. Um, Indiana nice. That's kind of thing that we that's what we do here. All right. We pivot to the weather. This is this is the Midwestern version. And somebody asked me, why do you keep touching your nose? You like Hunter Biden doing coke? I have a terrible zit on my nose and it's so bad and it hurts so bad. And I just have to rub it every now and then to make the pain go away. So forgive me. But um, this is like in the South when they say, bless your heart. Mm -hmm. OK, bless your heart. Is there a way of saying that? Yeah, we don't want to really call BS on you again, so we're just going to say that instead. <laughs> That's what we do in the Midwest. We just pivot to the weather. All right. I want to talk about taking on Trump and a primary and a general election. They're two different things, and they're important in a moment. And now a moment about my underwear. Welcome back here to the Steve Day Show. As summer heats up, the cool cotton comfort of Tommy John underwear becomes even more important. 20 million pairs, more than 20 million pairs sold. Thousands of five-star reviews. Why? Because it's the best underwear I've ever worn. I mean, I can't, I can't give a product a better endorsement than after they let me try it for free. I've gone out and purchased it repeatedly over the next several years out of my own pocket when I needed more of it. 
That's how good it is. They've got great stuff for the ladies as well. You save 20% right now when you go to TommyJohn.com slash Steve. All kinds of loungewear, lounge pants, T-shirts, but they really shine. And that's kind of their OG product is the underwear. Guys, get the cool cotton underwear from Tommy John. You'll thank me later. 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Steve. 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Steve. All right. So I I saw this tweet this morning um, from a gal named Mia. And she's got a good size following and she's a DeSantis supporter. And she tweeted out the following. Kim Reynolds, the Iowa governor, could have won without Trump's endorsement, yet he deserves all the credit. But Oz, Mastriano, Walker, Lake, totally not his fault that he endorsed them and they they lost. In in all those cases, it was rigged. Appointing the judges that overturned Roe, that's all Trump. But losing the Senate, well, that was because we overturned Roe. Hiring Christopher Wray, that wasn't Trump. That was just all Chris Christie's fault. Warp speed, Fauci fooled him. See how this works. Trump takes the credit when someone else succeeds, but he takes no responsibility for his own failures. Right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, though. You know, our, our colleague Oran McIntyre likes to point out that you're never going to beat the, the left's racialist agenda by saying you're the true racists. Well, that's yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah, because if we're arguing fake racism against fake racism, then yeah. it's their premise. You can't exactly. win. Okay. Yeah. And I have seen this from a lot of the DeSantis support on Twitter. And so this is, this is, a, this is a consultant freebie. Okay? I mean, Ted Cruz paid me a good amount of money per month to give me advice like this. And he lost, so maybe he overpaid me. <laughs> All right? So I'm giving you this one for free. And if it's worth what you paid for, then it's probably not worth much. All right? But... I, I want to respond to this so that because I think it's only fair to bookend this. We we talked about how the way Trump is running his campaign right now. He may end up winning like this, the primary, but it, it's going to make winning the general harder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if DeSantis were to win this, got to make sure he doesn't make the same mistake. And I think going down this road, while I am sympathetic to it because I lived this for a year, all right. Um, I think it makes it, I think, I think if you make this, if you go down this road, it leads you to some rabbit trails that are mistakes that you make that make it harder for you to unify the party and win a general later on as well. But, but that tweet that I just read, it does articulate the challenge of beating Trump in a primary. There's about 20 to 25% of the primary electorate who does not care about this level of gaslighting from Trump. They don't care. I'm going to explain why they have no character. They're in a cult. I mean, some of them are cultists. Sure. But it's really not that many people. Most of them aren't the Twitter grifters or cultists that you see omnipresent on Twitter. So I would really caution the DeSantis stands. I don't know if you guys like that nickname or not. I just couldn't come up with a better one. Uh, I would caution you from being too influenced by that annoyance. We learned from the mistakes we made on the Cruz campaign. We assumed that what we were seeing in social media, that cult-like following, was the entirety of his support. And... It's not. And we paid a steep price for that mistake. That's another one of the mistakes we made that we have to own. Okay. And because if you don't understand this, you will, you will, you will, you will, you will message to your own detriment. And frankly, at times I see this from DeSantis Twitter follower, Twitter support. 
most of Trump's 20 to 25 percent hardcore base. And when I say most, I mean like 90 percent of that 20, 25 percent. They are in that base because they gave up on the conventional system because the conventional system gave up on them and then turned on them. And so they see Trump as a bulwark, pardon the pun, okay? But they see Trump as a bulwark against the system finishing them off. So they don't care. They don't care what Trump does or says to anyone or anything they think represents that conventional system. They don't care that he, he can lie about him, gaslight him, insult him. They're not moved by that at all. It's similar to what you have said in the past about what Lincoln once said about Grant. And his boorish behavior, his carousing, his drinking, okay? And what did Grant say? Or what, did, what, did, what did Lincoln say about Grant? He fights. He fights, and we're in a war. Yeah. I'll, I'll worry about his uh, character flaws later. Right now, we've got to keep the union together, right? That's how they see Trump, okay? And, and these are people that Republicans chose not to speak for for decades, these are people that Trump chose to speak for and has taken a hell of a lot of backlash for it. So therefore, he gets to reap those benefits as far as I'm concerned. He took the risk. He has stood in the gap for those people. He has spoken for them. So he's earned that level of loyalty to some degree. Republicans for decades could have earned this loyalty from, this kind, from these people. They, they didn't want that. They turned on them instead. The challenge for DeSantis is, is, is to not allow yourself to be defined as that conventional system. Or you need to figure out how to bypass those voters with, a, with, with your message altogether and try to reach the rest of what I would call Trump's perceived vote, which is really just conservatives responding to who the media hates the most, the unfair persecution of Trump with the polls say, that would be a good deal of the, of, the, of the current Trump support you're seeing in polling. And this is actually the strategy that I would recommend if I were in the inner workings of the DeSantis campaign. I've never, guys, I've not had a single meaningful private conversation with Ron DeSantis yet. The longest I have spoken to him was the 12 minutes that he appeared on this show the day after he announced. My wife has actually had more meaningful conversations with any of the DeSantis's than I did. She was invited to a private event with Casey DeSantis last week. So, you know, I'm, I'm just doing a show here. And people can learn from my lived experience and failure or not. We were able to do what I just suggested on the Cruz campaign. In 2016, we created a parallel campaign to Trump. We siphoned off a lot of what the polls were measuring as Trump support, which was just a lot of people going with what the polls were saying and media and coverage. And, well, this is who CNN hates. So this must be our guy. We siphoned a lot of those people off. And that's how we beat him. And we held we held Trump to his lowest total in the entire 2020 uh, or 2016 process. Only 23% is all they got in Iowa. Despite the fact 14 of the final public polls of Iowa predicted that Trump was going to win. And he only got 23%. So why did we lose? 
Well, shortly after this, we emasculated ourselves by apologizing to Ben Carson for something we never did. We never stole the campaign from Ben Carson. He was getting ready to drop out. CNN got wind of it, broke the story. Steve King, one of our supporters, texted it out to our network. Hey, they're, they're reporting that Ben Carson's going to drop out. Might want to mention that at your caucus site. You know, we know we need to siphon off all the votes from all the other candidates to beat Trump. We can. And this is allegedly how we stole the election from uh, Ben Carson. I love Ben Carson as a human being, as a role model. But guys, I did almost as many campaign events in Iowa that cycle as Ben Carson, and I was not a candidate. He was just not seriously campaigning here. It's a ridiculous premise that we more ridiculously fed by emasculating apologies. Mike Pence level of cringe watching Cruz apologize. I mean, I just I, I was losing my mind. You guys worked with me. You know, you were you know, I was losing my bleeping mind over this. You guys remember those days. Good times. The same look that Anna had on her face a little while ago. She said, oh, no, dad's going to be pissed. (laughs) You guys saw I had that look on my face for about three weeks straight. I remember a phone call in particular. I'm I'm surprised my phone, like, withstood the sonic boom coming through. Yes. What are we doing here? Okay. We totally self-emulated, and this allowed Trump to get to our right. He became the alpha male candidate. We never got that branding back, and that's why we lost. Here's the thing. Democrats don't have to thread any needle with Trump. They have no needle to thread because they hate all of us. You can be Trump cult, Trump zealous, Trump devoted. You can be, uh, you know, MAGA adjacent, traditional conservative, conventional conservative, libertarian. If you're any form of non-communist, they hate your guts. They don't actively try to get your vote. The era of Bill Clinton triangulating is over. They're, They're never doing that ever again. It's a demonic construct. They hate all of you. They hate all of us. Just the same. They don't care. So, so they don't worry about if we make this too toxic, these people won't vote for us later. They don't want you to vote for them. They don't care. You know, they'll just run some more copy paper in the blackened windows in Philadelphia County if they have to. So there's no blowback factor for them, especially because they don't have to worry about independence now. There's, if, there's no, if the independents are not going to side with us, and they haven't in three straight elections, then there's no blowback factor for them, right? If it's their base versus our base, and they, if they get their base and independents, they're going to win, right? Yeah. In 2016, Trump got his base and independents, and that's why he won. So they can say whatever they want about Trump, his voters, supporters. They don't have to worry about winning you over later. They don't want you. They hate us all. So they don't worry about threading any needles. And in the past, they'd have to worry about blowback. If they went too far, too personal, independents would rebel. Independents have, have shown in the last three elections that, that they reject Trump as a standalone brand. As a standalone brand, they want nothing to do with Trump or people who are tied to him. They're not interested. And so Democrats think that they have a proven formula for beating Trump and the Trump-branded GOP, and it's going to be up to Trump. This brings us full circle to the conversation we started the show with. It will be up to Trump or whomever else is the nominee to craft a package, a message that proves otherwise. And this is also why I'm concerned about the current trajectory, because Trump is not showing any level of ability or even a willingness to reach people. I mean, you do an interview in Nevada yesterday. I won Nevada both times by a lot. They just lied. This is a disgusting state. Guys, it's a freaking quote. What? We have to win, guys. Okay. 
tremendous. <laughs> we, we have gone from 2016 and in insulting the people that would never vote for us. Mexico's a bunch of drug dealers. All right. The cities are rampant with crime. Well, that's true. And those people aren't never voting for us anyway. We're, we've gone from voting for, for Trump insulting people who will never vote for us to Trump insulting the people who have to vote for us, guys. And if you're on Team Trump, that won't win. If you're on Team DeSantis, projecting that Trump's grift core on Twitter that he's paid for or the, or the cult that you see on Twitter is his entire base ain't going to win. I promise you it won't win. You'll get your ass kicked, in fact. We made that mistake. Don't do it. So again, that was for free. Which means you probably got what you paid for. It's probably not worth the mouth it came out of. But I guess we'll see how it plays out. We'll get you guys' thoughts here after I tell our friends about Bambi. If you are a small business owner, human resource issues can be the devil in the details for you. And that's where Bambi comes into play. Get your own and access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. Available by phone, email, real-time chat for everything from onboarding and terminations that run smoothly. Help your team members to reach peak performance. Uh, they will set your policies, training, even provide feedback. You know, HR managers can cost up to eighty grand a year. Bambi starts at $99 a month, and it's month to month. $99 a month to start and month to month. No long-term contracts. So if you're in a season right now, because of Let's Go Brandon, you got to cut back a little bit, but you still need help, this is the season for you to go to Bambi. All right? Schedule your free conversation today. See how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E, B-A-M-B-E-E, Bambi.com right now. Type in Steve Dace under podcast when you sign up. It'll help the show and you. Type in Steve Dace under podcast and go to Bambi.com right now. B-A-M-B-E-E-E. Gentlemen, the final three minutes belong to the two of you. What are the odds... Uh, along the lines of how you closed with that, that Trump has already bought his Blaze subscription and will be live truth socialing <laughs> the family leader event. That's hilarious. That's very funny. I what, like it. What are the odds? I hadn't even thought of it, but you potentially should. high. <laughs> yes. Potentially high. Yeah. I am constantly find myself either laughing or on the verge of rage <laughs> uh, with this primary process. It's because of something I, I said a couple of, of weeks ago. Donald Trump, you know, he would gaslight people before and sometimes during his administration, but most of the time it was directed towards people that, you know, are enemies of people like you and I. What's going on in this, in this uh, primary process so far is that Donald Trump himself and his world online, online, I get it, but online, are attempting to gas- gaslight their own people. Mm-hmm. That is, that's just heinous. It's abusive. It really is. Because on the one hand, if you're in the cult, Donald Trump does deserve better supporters than you. If you're not in the cult, if you just like Donald Trump because, hey, appointed the justices that overturned Roe and affirmative action. We had peace for four years. And war on the way by all accounts. If you're that type of person, okay, yeah, good. You deserve a better candidate than Donald Trump. And I don't mind, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to sound condescending, but he is doing, he is, he is his own, breaking, he is his own worst enemy on so many different fronts. And it's disappointing to, it's disappointing to see. 
sometimes all you can just do is laugh. Sometimes it does make me, it does really make me feel sorry for the entire situation. Hmm. We have to win. I mean, there is no substitution for winning. And I don't know that I've said that ever as adamantly as I am right now for two reasons. One, we, we have not one but two candidates who morally have records that prove they're worth my vote. So I don't have to vet these candidates like I've had to vet previous primary cycles, right? We're not sitting here going through the minutia of every, where you're at on every issue because they have records. And so we get to kind of bypass that. And for the most part, the records are pretty good on the things I, I care the most about. And so now we're going, in, in my view, we're fast forwarding to the electability argument now since both those candidates passed. I mean, look at somebody like Vivek. I like a lot of what Vivek says, but why would I choose someone who has done nothing, literally nothing for my belief system over two guys who have done a ton of things for my belief system? Nothing personal. It's just you haven't done anything. The other two guys have, you know, in another cycle, somebody like Vivek is who I would have looked really closely at. Now I don't have to because I have people with records, but we have to win, though. If we don't win, I don't even want to contemplate where we are if we don't win. John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.